Hi, I'm Erica and this is Story Sanctuary. Story Sanctuary is a space for NICU parents to process and share their stories as a form of healing. Each episode features a different family's birth and NICU story, and today we're joined by Camilla. Camilla, where does your story begin? Hey, Erica, thank you for having me. So our story begins <clears throat> here in a little old town of Gadsden, Alabama. Um, I was pregnant with my son, Christian, for 41 weeks and six days. So we almost made it to the 42 mark, 42 week mark. And um, he was having an adverse reaction to the Pitocin that I was given to induce my labor. And um, um, it wasn't supposed to be a C-section. I had planned on having a vaginal delivery. And um, once he started having complications with his heart rate dropping, then my heart rate started dropping. So it became an emergency surgery situation. And um, I was wheeled off to the operating room and a quick C-section turned into almost an hour and a half long process. Um, when Christian got here, there was no cry. Um, it was a faint, like, distress, like, Ugh. like, I was like, okay, who is that old man crying? You know, I made a joke out of it. And then my mom, who was in there with me, um, she looked at Christian and she looked at me and she was like, the baby is in trouble. And my mom is, um, she's taught nursing, taught nursing for 25 years. And her specialty was neonatal intensive care. And so, of course, I knew that my mom knew everything. And she was like, all right, Camilla, just start praying. So I started praying. I was on the operating table. And um, his APGAR scores were extremely low. Um, his first score was a four. And I, you know, had read about that. I'm a psychology major. And I was like, okay, it can improve. But the next score was like a five. And the highest he got was a seven. And I was like, okay, we are in trouble. So they started working with him and I got to see him over the curtain, just like the little peak. And um, that was the only time that I got to see Christian until four days later. Um, they wheeled me around to my room, um, had me in a holding room that essentially no lie felt like a morgue because I was in that room with a whole bunch of supplies. It was freezing cold and I'm sure my epidural had something to do with that. And I was alone by myself. And um, when I finally got Will to a room, it was probably around 4 p.m. from a um, 10 o'clock scheduled C-section. Like it took a long time for everything to get under wraps. And then um, the doctor had come in and spoke with me and said, okay, Christian is on a 100% oxyhood. Um, he's not really having much success with the oxyhood. So we're going to transport him. I was like, okay. Um, I just want to see my baby. Let me see him before you all take him and transport him because Birmingham is um, about a 45 minute to an hour drive away. So um, that was the plan. I knew the plan. I signed the paperwork and five o'clock came. No one came around and let me see Christian. Six o'clock, seven o'clock came. I still didn't see Christian. So then everyone started worrying. I had a bundle of family there to see us. And um, 
it was just kind of like an eerie feeling. And it was like, it hit my mom and she was like, I'm going to go around there and check. So she goes in there and she comes back. And by the look on my mom's face, her expression said, Christian had passed away. So I'm in pain from a C-section and I just started bawling, crying without her even saying anything. She was like, Camilla, they already took the baby. And I kid you not, it was like 20 minutes later after they had told me they had taken him, the doctor from Birmingham called me and she was like, he's here. And I was like, how's he doing? She was like, he had a grandma seizure on his way to transport. And um, we had to intubate him and um, he's on the ventilator. And I'm just like, what? Like it, it was totally took me aback. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't be with my baby. So I asked the doctor when he had come back in, I was like, can I leave? Can I, can I just go? And he was like, no, you are required to stay here four days. And I'm like, four days. <laughs> I was like, I can't be away from my kid for four days. I just had my son. I haven't got to t- love on him, kiss him, tell him I love him. Like I didn't get that time with him. So four days later, against the doctor's will, I left. He wanted to keep me another day because I was having issues with my blood. Um, I'm anemic, severe anemic. And um, they could not keep my, my blood counts elevated. So I left and I felt like crap but I had to get to my baby. When I saw Christian, he, he just looked like he was just there. There was no response to him. Um, It was like this little tiny bitty, bitty baby, even though he was full term, he was seven pounds, two ounces, and he was 20 inches long. He was full term, but you know, that's the baby. That's your baby. And he had all these tubes in him. Um, He had tubes down his throat, down his nose. He was intubated. He had all of these machines beeping and it was just so overwhelming. Like all I could do was cry. And then I told him from that moment on, I was like, listen, as long as you fight, mommy's going to fight a million times harder for you. And it was like, he heard me and he turned his little head to me and his eyes opened. And I was like, oh, my God, his eyes are open. And I was freaking out. I was so excited. And then I looked at him and I'm like, you have blue eyes. (laughs) And I looked at him. I was like, "Okay, blue eyes. I was like, well, I'm your mommy and I'm here for you. And I'm here and we're going to fight this thing out. So we ended up staying at the first hospital, which I called a holding cell because they literally held him. They didn't really interact with him they didn't touch him they didn't do anything for him besides blood gases every 30 minutes to make sure that his o2 was okay to make sure that his levels were okay um they allowed me to do my breast milk in a tube through his ng tube in his nose um i pumped the whole time i was there with him and i began like the day four that I was there I mean I started pumping in droves like I was pumping almost 32 ounces of milk no lie (laughs) a day and I was so proud of my stash I was like all right this is liquid gold it's gonna strengthen you it's gonna make you the best you can be and I was so proud that I was able to feed him and so he um was just there and uh I was there with him the whole time Um, We, my mom and I essentially moved to Birmingham from Gadsden into the Ronald McDonald house. And um, 
that's part of our journey as well. We're now ambassadors to the Ronald McDonald House. And I absolutely, I can't thank the Ronald McDonald House enough for being supportive and being there with us through the whole way. They were absolutely amazing. But I digress. <laughs> so Christian um, was eventually transferred to Children's of Alabama when he was nine weeks old. And he was still not in the best of shape. He was still on the ventilator. Um, he was still dependent upon the NG tube in his mouth for the ventilator. And um, we finally just kind of got to a plan where we were like, okay, this is our reality. Christian is going to need extra assistance for a while. We don't know how long that while is going to be but we're going to rock with it and we're going to ride it till the wheels fall off. <laughs> and so um, once Christian got to Children's of Alabama, it was like a totally different atmosphere. It was the best care that we had received thus far. Um, the nurses were hands-on. They were like, girl, you can hold your baby. You can put clothes on your baby. Whereas the other NICU was like, don't touch him he's gonna code, which he did. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, okay, if you're expecting a kid to code when you touch him, you know, I believe you can speak that negativity upon someone. So I was like, don't speak that on him. And as soon as we got the children's, everything was like a whole 360 turnaround. Everyone spoke positively. Everyone wanted me to be hands-on. Everyone believed in the kangaroo care. So Christian began to thrive. Even though he was on the ventilator, he began to thrive. And he was um, doing so much, so, 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 so much better. And the doctor was like, okay, even though he's doing good, he did fail his extubation attempts like they tried once every week. He failed each one, like, graciously, <laughs> and then bounced back. <laughs> he was like, all right, can't do it get my tube back <laughs> and it was kind of funny how he would do it because he would bounce back like nothing even happened I'm like kid stop being lazy and breathe for mommy and he just looked at me like I'm doing what I can like it was like we had this communication it was so cute so sweet but it was like I need you to work with me so then we discussed the plan to get him a trach and a g-tube and for any moms who are considering and wondering if they should get a trach and a G2 for their children, I'm 100% an advocate for it. Um, I did my restate, I did, sorry, I did my research on trach and trach care and home care, um, home ventilator care, because that was the steps that we knew that we needed to conquer to get home. And so we opted for the trach when he was, um, three months old in January the 13th is when he had his surgery, January 13th, 2013. And he got the G2, he got his circumcision and he got his um, trach all at the same time. And it was an amazing turn from the time he got the trach until now. Um, Christian pretty much showed up and showed out and showed us that he's here to fight and that he's going to keep living his life. And um, I'm, I'm just so thankful for the child that I have in Christian because he's never given up. You know how 
some children they, they show that they're tired and they show that they they don't want to continue with anything as far as life Christian has fought from the beginning and I tell everybody I said I think it was my little pep talk I had with him from the get-go <laughs> and um telling him that as long as he fought I'll fight a million times harder for him and we got discharged from the hospital after 229 days um he was seven months old and um once we got discharged from the hospital, he started thriving even more. Um, he gained weight. Um, I actually stopped breastfeeding him the day before we were discharged because my milk just dried up. It was like, all right. <laughs> I was like, hey, I've been giving him this liquid gold the whole time. And it just dried up like, all right, that's one less task you'll have to do. And I'm like, I was hurt, but I was thankful because I didn't have to do it anymore. And so once we were home, he was fully formulated. Um, he had his medicines, he had his regimen, we had a routine and life has been grand since we've been home. Um, I tell everybody, yes, we, we have our obstacles. We have our ups and our downs with, um, we've had nursing to quit on us. We've had a nursing agency to totally shut down on us without warning. And my nurses have been a major part of my village. Um, I have several family members and my best friends and my best friend's mom. And they have stepped up and shown out for me and helped me. And it's just like my village has really stepped in and just helped me become the mom and a better person for Christian that I could possibly be. Um, Christian, I tell everybody, I count. Christian all joy. There's no negativity that comes with being his mom, a special needs mom. Christian has traveled around the world. Christian has opened so many doors for our family. Christian is a blessed child. <laughs> and I tell everybody that. And there's nothing that I would change about Christian. Um, he is still totally undiagnosed. He has underlying diagnoses, but there's no reasoning why he has been ventilator dependent besides a doctor's error that was confirmed by his orthopedic doctor. Um, we found out totally by accident that he suffered a neck fracture, um, possibly at birth, and no one said anything about it mm -hmm. and we had taken him in to um, get evaluated for scoliosis which he does have and the doctor comes in and he's like oh it looks like Christian's neck fracture is healing just fine I'm like say what now <laughs> like what neck fracture and he looked at me and he looked at my mom he was like you all didn't know he had a neck fracture I was like that's the first time we've ever heard of a neck fracture wow the first time and Christian was five years old then. I just had my baby son Ezra and the, um, we had to put off that appointment um, till after Ezra was three months old and Christian was still five and I was like wow okay can I get that in writing can I you know and it was just like they kind of swept it up under the rug and to this day I have not seen that doctor um, I, that doctor is not even the doctor who I saw is not a doctor <laughs> at Children's of Alabama, which it blows my mind. It freaks me out because I'm like, okay, was that guardian angel hours to let us know what's really going on with him? But that doctor is not there. 
And um, I was just like, okay, <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> but um, from then on, we just, you know, kind of was like, okay, it makes sense now as to why he's unable to do things that he should be doing. But um, Christian is thrived. He's had OT, PT, speech therapy, um, and he's done very well with it. Um, he, there's nothing wrong with this child's cognitive ability. Um, and he speaks, his favorite word is, oh yeah. <laughs> um, he'll tell you stop in a heartbeat if he doesn't want you kissing on him or loving on him. Um, he has an attitude. <laughs> it's like, he's a totally normal kid besides his physical capabilities. And, you know, even though he has his own words in speaking, he doesn't speak like the full sentences or the 30 words or the hundred words that they expect. And that's totally okay. He's still my child. I can still communicate with him and it's all joy and all love. So that's our journey in a nutshell. (laughs) When you look back at the 229 days inpatient, what helped you survive that time? Um, A lot of prayer. Um, my mom being there helped me. Um, my mom was my rock, my driving force. Um, if I ever wanted or needed a break from the NICU, which was hardly ever, most days she forced me out <laughs> and uh, she stayed with Christian for me. But my mom being there for me and going through that whole process with me and um, crafting. I crafted a lot while I was there with Christian. Um, I made him special scrapbooks. I would come every day with my arsenal of, um, I I called it my arsenal of gear. (laughs) And that included puffy paints, uh, regular paints, construction paper. And I would just craft all day. And also I earned my master's degree the first three months he was in the NICU. Mm -hmm. So that's what kept me occupied as well. Um, so yeah, I've ended up turning that crafting, the love of crafting into a business while after we got home because I needed a means of financial income and I turned my love of crafting into a business. So it, it all worked out. <laughs> so I love crafting too. I have to ask, what do you make and how do we find you online? Okay. I make, um, specialized, the custom tumblers. I do glitter tumblers, mica powder tumblers, um, all things vinyl. Um, I do keychains. I do thumbtacks. Um, I do a lot. I do a lot. I dibble and dabble with t-shirts, but that's not my ministry, but I can do them. <laughs> and um, you can find me online at Southern Smiles by K on Instagram. And um, you can also find me on Facebook at Southern Smiles by K. And that K is K-A-Y. I talk with a lot of different parents, but usually they're, they have under five-year-old kids. With you mm-hmm. having a nine-year-old, I'm mm-hmm. curious what a day in your Excuse life me. looks like now. Okay. So as you see, I have a toddler. So life changed totally when he came into the picture because it was just me and Christian for the first five years of our life together. So life with Christian is our daily routine. We wake up. And uh, we've been having to wake up super early because Ezra is now in school. 
And of course, we can't stay quiet when we turn on the light. Even though I turn on the lamp and put a shade over it, Christian's like, "Oh yeah, hey, how you doing? Hey, ma, what, what, what?" And he wakes up with us. And so I usually change his diaper in the morning. And the nurses, they don't have to, but they assist me with taking Ezra to school. And when they take Ezra to school, I get Christian's um, diaper change. I get his breathing treatment going, um, and then. I get ready for work and then the nurses take care of him throughout the day for me. And I come in here on my breaks and I speak to him, love on him. Most of the time he doesn't even care. He's like, what are you doing here? Like he looks at me like, you're not supposed to be here. This is me and BB's time or this is me and Haley's time, <laughs> which are our nurses. And um, when the nurses leave in the evening after I get off of work, um, the routine is feeding him. Um, we do meds twice a day. Um, the nurses are usually in charge of bathing him, but when they aren't, I'll do a typical day of mine. So we bolus him by the um, feeding pump. Um, he eats three times a day, and then he has a continuous feeding at night. He gets noontime medicine. He gets morning medicine and evening medicine. He gets a bath every day, hair washed every other day. Um, he gets his physical therapy that we do, stretches and everything he hates his leg braces they upgraded him to big boy braces and it has been a fight and a struggle <laughs> whereas the little afos that he used to have he would rock with them but these new braces have given him the blues so we get him up in his chair i i have made a um a mobile for christian i'm i know the podcast can't see it but i'll let you see it i made a mobile Aww. out of his hoyer lift and that's what he does his um, arm exercises with. Um, I've told the nurses and I've told his doctors, I honestly feel like Christian can walk because he moves his legs 24-7. Um, I just think that he's being a tad bit lazy. <laughs> but I honestly feel like he can move. And so we get him up in his chair. We stretch him out. We let him roll around. Um, he watches TV a lot. He loves watching TV. And he's kind of in that phase where he's grown out of cartoons. And he's content with watching big kid shows and what mommy and the nurses watch. And it's amazing to me how he interacts with the shows. Um, then at nighttime, he gets his continuous feeding after his night meds. And he usually only needs to be changed once or twice during the night. And that's usually our daily routine. Aww. Yeah, thanks mm -hmm. for sharing that. Not a problem. If you could give advice to a parent, either someone with a long-term NICU stay or someone who has a child at home that has medical or developmental needs, what would you say to them? Um, I would always say, um, don't count your baby out. Um, don't count your baby out. Always be your baby's voice, your baby's advocate. Um, you are their, their person. You are the person who knows them the most. You are the person who can vouch for them. And I would, one thing about us, and I'm not sure, you know, everybody has different religious preferences, but I pray over my babies every single day. Um, I'd say a prayer for them, if not all during the day, especially when we wake up in the morning, even if it's just a thank you, Lord, for waking us up this morning and starting us on our day that's it's a simple prayer that we give thanks for and I pray over them at night and I just say just treat them like a normal child don't treat them any differently don't um give in or succumb to what a stereotypical 
person or a document can say, don't fester on that. Just write down your baby's achievements, write down their goals, write down what they can do. That was one thing that I did when um, Christian started um, school. We transitioned from early intervention to school. And the teacher, she was like, so what can Christian do? And she was like, gave me this list of things. And I'm like, I'm not even looking at that list. Let me just write down what he can do. And I came with this whole notebook long full of things that he can do. And they were like, oh my gosh. I'm like, yeah, just because it's not on this paper, don't count my baby out. Like, (laughs) you know, just because he's not meeting these goals that you all have set as a typical normal four-year-old, three-year-old it's not, does not mean that he can do and cannot do things. And um, yeah, so be your baby's advocate, speak for them, be their voice and encourage them all the way. Um, Push them, but don't over push them. Um, Treat them like a normal child. And yeah, just be thankful for the situation that you have because a lot of moms and parents, they don't have their babies still here. So that's what I would say. Storytelling acts as a means of healing because it allows you to shift positions. So instead of your NICU story being something that happened to you, you get to own your story and then decide what you want the lasting memory to be. Mm-hmm. So Camilla, what do you want to be the lasting memory of your birth and NICU story? Mm, I want that memory to be that Christian never gave up. Christian has always been a fighter. And the NICU definitely builds character, builds strength, and makes you a stronger person. It gives you strength that you didn't know that you could have. It makes you rely on faith that you didn't know that you could rely on. And it helps you move forward in being the best person that you can be for your child and yourself. Absolutely. Well, Camilla, thank you for sharing your story. And thanks for sharing Christian's journey with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And I enjoy being here.